Welcome along to the Go Play Soccer podcast with host Manchester United Academy coach Tom Statham. At Go Play, our aim is to bring people together from all across the world to discuss the beautiful game. Tom Statham here, and today we're going to look back at what's been happening so far at the Euros and preview the rest of the tournaments from the quarterfinals all the way to the final with Grant Wall from the Grant Wall Football Podcast and Josh Robinson, who covers European sports for the Wall Street Journal. So, Grant and Josh, welcome to the Go Play Soccer podcast again. Great to be back. Thanks for having us. That's oh, great. Well, the the first the first episode, the preview of the whole tournament was was a lot of fun, and it went down well with with people. So, it's a, it's a great time to reconnect and uh, just wonder what are your what are your overall thoughts. I know that Josh, you've been able to go to some of the games, and like uh, obviously Grant in in Manhattan there, and me in in sunny Cheshire. Um, so what's it been like? Different cities, 24 teams, third place qualifiers. You now, what, what are your impressions of the tournament so far, guys? I'm here in London and it's been, uh, well, the, the fever is, uh, is definitely catching. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that in a global pandemic, but, the, uh, <laughs> but it, it feels like something special is happening around this England team. And a lot of things are falling into place. The, you know, the England half of the draw is significantly uh i don't want to say easier but maybe uh you know less highly rated than the opposite side which still has belgium spain and italy um and england will play that quarterfinal on the road in rome all to get back for potentially two games at wembley um it's been uh yeah it's been it's it's a formula that has worked for england i can say that and what about you josh have you have you been anywhere the last time we spoke to you in paris so have you have you just been in london or have you been anywhere else no i got to munich for the uh the germany portugal game um and it's kind of wild that from the group f group of death uh none of those teams have stuck around now no what a great game to go to germany portugal and then i believe you were at the game yesterday uh the england germany game as well two amazing games I was, and I don't think I've ever heard 45,000 people get louder. Um, I've been at Wembley with twice as many people, and I think Harry Maguire said the same thing and haven't heard it as loud as yesterday. Fantastic. Well, let's go to Manhattan and, and Grant and looking from a distance of a few thousand miles. You know, what have you thought of the, of the tournament so far? I mean, I, I said this publicly. I think the, the day of the round of 16 games uh, – that ended up being won by Switzerland over France and Spain over Croatia was literally for me, the greatest, what did I say? Multi-game day of soccer I've ever seen. I, like, I, I still believe that. I mean, like, I know that we have sort of a recency bias. We tend to have that. And, and, but like, I think it's important to recognize a really special moment or, or day like this uh, when you've experienced it. And just in- incredible games. Um, and, you know, like part of me thinks that the expansion to a 24 team Euros, I-, I-, I kind of don't like it when third place teams advance. And, and when you get to the elimination rounds, though, and adding an extra you know, round to the tournament by expand- expanding the way they did, I mean, these round of 16 games have been terrific. And in that one day in particular, but like the England game as well, um, just really great stuff, great theater, great entertainment. And, um, you know, like to see 
France, which on paper is the best team in the world, not in this tournament, not even advancing to the quarterfinals, uh, reminds you uh, about the wonderful unpredictability of soccer. Like nobody would have thought Switzerland would be the team to eliminate France. And they did. And they actually deserved it. Like Switzerland played a terrific game, came back from being down. Um, and, you know, just we'll be talking about those games, I think, years from now. And it wouldn't have happened if the third place qualifiers had been eliminated because three of the last eight are third place qualifiers. So Switzerland finished third to Italy and Wales and they go and beat uh, France. Uh, Czech Republic came third and Ukraine came third as well. So it's, I think, I think at the beginning of the tournament, I was definitely one that thought third place. Now just get the top two. Now let's have 16 teams or 32 teams. And then the top two go through and that's fair, but, I've got to say, the, the way that these round of 16 games have gone, I'm really looking to reassess that now. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, like, because I, I look back and, you know, Portugal was a third place team when they won the tournament in 2016. And that's right. Uh, and it, <laughs> I think it just like a lot of times we don't want to say it in the media. Like there's so much luck involved <laughs> in in advancing in tournaments and um and sometimes you know we want to like write explanations for all this stuff and everything has a reason for happening sometimes it's just plain dumb luck um i would not have thought ukraine would advance against you know sweden and and they did uh and they deserved it so i mean it's it's maybe for for the folks like me who actually think we should expand the euros to 32 teams like why stop at 24 they're not going to keep it at 16 um like I wouldn't mind having more teams involved. Um, and I, I think this tournament would have been fine if Erling Holland and Norway were involved and, and Iceland and Serbia and who, you know, whomever else, but um, it's just been fun. And uh, it's been fun to see. I, I, it's hard for me here in New York to get a full sense of what the virus situation is like, I'm, but I, you know, over in Europe, but I'm seeing, fans in the stands and people enjoying games and 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 that that feels good as well and i'm sure if you're in the stadiums like josh it's it's a huge difference and and i think the players are feeling it too i mean we saw england yesterday with one of the most you know it wasn't always pretty but it was one of the most mature tournament performances i've ever seen from england like in my lifetime you know consider that in three years under southgate England have in the past three years under Southgate, England have now won three tournament knockout games. That's more than the previous 20 years combined. You know, before that, it was uh, there was one knockout against Denmark and one against Ecuador. And that was it since Euro 96. And now they win two at Russia 2018 and one here. It's like it's coming together. And and um I don't know if England hangs on the way they do yesterday without that support. It was it was unbelievable. I mean, look, and and Grant is right in in pointing out the luck element. We might be having a very different conversation today if Muller scores the chance that he's put away a million times in his career, or if Kylian Mbappe goes the other way with his penalty. Yeah, but it didn't. Muller didn't, and at that moment, ah, oh, again, Grant. It's great that Josh is in England because you can feel it. But I, I'm trying to get that um, across to you over in the States is that this country is absolutely crazy at the minute because yesterday, you know, when, whenever I turned on the TV yesterday morning and all the breakfast programs, all they were talking about was England, Germany. 
And all anyone talks about on the radio, on TV, in the newspapers, everyone was just talking about England, Germany, England, Germany all day. And then it's a five o'clock kickoff over here and the game started. And obviously it was, it was quite cautious. But then as soon as the goals went in, you know, you could just feel the whole country is just so ecstatic and people are just so happy. And and again, today, all the all the newspapers are just full of the game. And it just means so much to to this country. And I know that there are other countries in the world that, that love football, but football is so important in this country and everyone's had such a terrible time. Uh, and, it's, and it's just an incredibly positive thing for, for England at the moment. I would love to be over there. I mean, like I, I covered Euros before and, and it, there's something about that tournament that um, is, is just really special. And it's a, I, it's a little different, obviously, this year because it's all over Europe. And, and so I was kind of wondering if that would maybe dilute the, 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 you know, the fervor for the tournament. But, you know, from what it sounds like, from what you're saying in England now, it's just like the only topic. Uh, and... Oh, absolutely, and it, so I think the Euros is more exciting in a lot of ways than the World Cup for us because Europe is small and there's all these rivalries. So, you know, when England play Costa Rica or England play Paraguay, you know, right. no, it's not massive. When England play Germany or England play France or England play Scotland, you know, we've been at war with these countries for hundreds of years. <laughs> so, it just means so much more. The you know to beat the it's just incredible how much it means to English people to beat the Germans. And, and I think possibly in America, uh, that's difficult to identify with because over there, you know, you get some team, some franchise from Tampa Bay beats a franchise from Kansas City and they call themselves the world champions at a sport that only America <laughs> plays. Whereas here you're talking about deep, deep rivalries. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's fascinating to me because like I, I watched the England-Germany game at my local soccer bar, Smithfield, here in New York, and there were a ton of England fans. And so the atmosphere, and there are actually a fair amount of Germany fans because it's the official Bayern Munich bar in New York City. And what was kind of neat to me was like just how, you know, how festive the occasion was, how much noise was being made by both sides. And, um, and also too, like people were good natured about it. Like, you know, we're not seeing any actual uh, you know, anger or anything between the two fan bases. There were certainly sad Germany fans after the game, but um, you know, New York City is actually a pretty good place to watch a major soccer tournament, whether it's the World Cup or the Euros, because there is a you know, there's people from every country here, and and you can go to different parts of New York City and go to a a, a bar that is you know is a Bayern Munich bar like this this bar was, or a place where, you know, every nationality, if I wanted to go see the Czechs play their next game, like at a Czech bar in New York City, I could do that. And, and that makes it fun to follow a tournament here. Yeah, so, so tell me, guys, did you jump in the air when, when Raheem Sterling scored? <laughs> I, was, I, mean, I was sitting in the press box, so uh, <laughs> I, I was... No, you didn't. Oh, okay. Well... Let's go. Let's go back to Monday then. Magic Monday is being called, and Grant, that you you said that it's the best day of of football in that way that you'd seen. So we we go to to Spain three, Croatia one. At that point, uh, when the third goal went in for Spain, 
like the rest of us, you must have thought, okay, that's it. Spain are through. The game's just going to peter out. The last 15 minutes is going to be dull. Didn't happen that way. Um, and it, it's a weird Spain team, I think. And, and, and part of the reason I, I, I kind of don't think they're going to win the tournament is it's not, you know, their best team by any means, but uh, they've, they've gotten better as the tournament's gone on. They were pretty miserable the first couple games. You know, they, they had the benefit of playing all three group games at home and they still didn't win the group. Sweden ended up winning it. Um, if they, if Morata can start scoring goals or somebody can start scoring goals for Spain on a regular basis and they've scored five in the last two games, um, they're capable of, of, of doing some, some great things. But um, like, I was just surprised that they weren't able up 3-1 to put the game away. I, I've been sort of surprised that Thiago Alcantara has, has not played. They didn't bring him on even in that situation. He seems like to me, like the obvious person you'd want to sort of bring on and, and salt away a game. Uh, and that didn't happen, but like, you know, give credit to, to Croatia for, for getting the two goals they got. This is an old Croatia team older than, you know, you know, than they've been before. And, um, and yet, uh, they, they made it a great game. And um, do you think the Spain defense is missing Ramos as old as he is? And I know he's not been, been fully fit for a while, but do you think with Ramos in the team, they would have conceded three goals against the Croatians? Maybe not. You know, like it, the whole Ramos situation is, is like, it's his, like Real Madrid ends up, you know, announcing he's leaving, you know, he doesn't get called in for Spain. Uh, he's been the captain. Like, it, it's, I still think he's a good player. It's not like he became terrible all of a sudden. And so, yeah, it's a little surprising to me. Um, but I, I think one, th- one thing I will say for Spain and Luis Enrique is that he's, Luis Enrique seems to have kind of instilled a belief in this, in this young Spain team. And there, are, there is some talent there. I mean, I, I like Pedri a lot. I think, you know, Barcelona is going to build around him for a long time. Um, and to come back from that, especially when, you know, I think I wrote today that every Spain game has been a psychodrama that kind of makes bullfighting look really leisurely. <laughs> but, you know, there was there was the missed Murata penalty against Poland. There was the frustration of the nil-nil draw. There was the 5-0 kind of catharsis against Slovakia. Um, you know, each one of these, they're, they're kind of, it's opera for 90 minutes or 120 minutes. And so the the fact that that they keep surviving says a lot for the work that that Luis Enrique has done with this group well to go from 3-1 up to 3-3 and then to be able to bounce back in in extra time you know that that again shows a lot of team spirit it showed a lot of great leadership and you know this Spain team not only have got some good technicians but they've got some character as well i think so um it, it's yeah, we like it's funny, like if you follow the sport long enough, like I can remember when Spain, before they were World Cup winners a decade ago, was known for sort of having a lot of talent and underperforming in major tournaments. And in the group stage, I kind of felt that way about the Spain team for, for large parts of it. So we don't have a huge sample size here. Like they've certainly turned it on the last couple of games um, from an attacking perspective. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not totally on the Spain bandwagon. I guess is the best way to put it. But, um, but their games are certainly 
worth watching and entertaining. And, and I appreciate what they bring from that perspective. So we all enjoyed that game, you know, Spain winning 5-3 in extra time. And then everyone went and got a, a cup of tea or a, a beer or whatever and had a bit of a break and then thought, okay, well, France, Switzerland, it's, it's not going to be that entertaining because we all expect France to probably win by three or four goals. And then we go and get that. Again, France, 3-1 up, 15 minutes to go. They bring off uh, Griezmann. I remember watching that and I thought, good move because, you know, they're going to need him for the next round, you know, save some legs. And I really felt that that's where uh, the, the French mentality was. It's like the game's been Pogba, what a goal, first of all, fantastic goal. And then it's like, okay, we, we're just going to coast through the next 15 minutes and, and we'll be in the quarterfinals. Pogba was magnificent. I mean, not just the goal, but some of the passing was just out of this world. He, it's like he could see things, you know, he could see through time or something. It was, uh, uh, there's one in particular where he hits it about 60 yards on a half volley, like a golf shot. Um, it, it was sensational. But, and he was very, very frustrated, visibly so on the touchline when, um, when it ends up at 3 3 at full time at the end of regulation. He, um, I think he felt let down. Um, because France switched off and, and you don't expect that from the world champions. No, and it goes back to what you said earlier, Josh, about the England performance. I mean, the Southgate and the England team got a lot of, of stick in the press uh, about the way certainly they played against Scotland and, and some of the other games too, but they've just been very solid and very professional, whereas that's what you felt that, that France needed. They just needed to, to defend properly. And, and have some big characters and big hearts just to get the ball away and, and just see that game through. But then I, I sort of, I wasn't too surprised when Croatia came back because they've got some spirit, but I was amazed at the Switzerland comeback in that last 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because Seferovic had two goals in that game. I've sort of grown to associate with just being a bad forward. Like, I, he, I, he's <laughs> like, he's just... I'm stunned that this guy scored two goals in the game. Um, and, and he was terrific. So I take back what I, what I've said in the past about the guy, but um, I, I've never like at, with Switzerland, they were decent, I guess, at the world cup in 2014, they seem to be a team that like is okay. And occasionally gets to the knockout rounds and never advances. Um, but they were, they were really good in this game and, and to, to be able to come back like that against France, they made good subs. Um, again, a little bit like the Spain game, I'm stunned that, you know, that France, you know, goes up three to one and doesn't just put the game away and, and, and they weren't able to do it. Um, I, I think maybe people are going to look at Didier Deschamps a little differently now. He's like, his approach was actually similar at the World Cup in 2018. Like, I feel like on paper, France has so much talent and he's he's so conservative with it. And they play in this sort of like often counterattacking style with those great players. And I want to see these France players with a different coach. I'd love to see Zidane come in and and see if maybe they, they play a little you know, less conservatively. Um, and I was also surprised with France. I thought Longley was, was really poor, um, in defense and like, it's kind of wild to me that a player like 
Laporte, you know, couldn't get in that team and ended up switching countries uh, because I, that was a real weakness for France in this tournament, especially that game. And, and Grant, you make a good point about the conservative approach of uh, of Deschamps, especially because I'm still very much of the mind. And, and I mean, I'd be curious to know what you think after covering so many tournaments, but that, you know, in tournament soccer, because you don't have the kind of time to, to prepare the way they do in club soccer now, where you see really intricate systems, you know, the two hole systems, the Klopp systems, um, that ultimately it still comes down to individual moments and moment players, you know, the way we've seen with Portugal's success uh, at Euro 2016, building around Ronaldo. And I mean, I think we've seen it with England too. There were incredible moments from Grealish yesterday, Saka in the group game against, against the Czech Republic. You know, France has those players, but they were not firing. Uh, the chance Mbappe misses an extra time. That's a, that's a moment that you would think this is when a player of his caliber makes the difference and elevates France to that next level. It's almost that they they had to go one down in order to produce that, that second half performance when they went bang, bang, bang for three goals. And he's like, why, if they'd have started the first half that way, the game could have been over by half time. Yeah. It's, it was, it was such an interesting game. I mean, like to like Benzema was fantastic. You know, he had, at least for five minutes, just out of this world. And, and like, I, I've gone back and looked at the first goal that he scored in that first touch. It's like, it's one of the most astonishing things I've ever Absolutely. seen. And, That's what I'm talking about. A moment player. Yeah. And in Benzema was, was terrific in the game. Pogba, you know, like Josh said, amazing game for Pogba, even though he did play a role in one of the, the late Swiss goals, losing the ball. Um, and, and so that's what, you know, Mbappe didn't, you know, like, I'm, I'm curious to see if this, you know, how Mbappe responds to this moving forward, because, you know, so much of the talk over the last European club season was that Mbappe and Holland are, are becoming the, the two best players in the world. They're going to replace Messi and Ronaldo. And, you know, Holland's not even in this tournament and Mbappe just didn't have a good tournament. You know, and 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 goes out in a really difficult way, missing the penalty and and missing the chance late. Um, I don't think it's going to sidetrack his career, but it certainly is a narrative that we weren't expecting from this tournament. And and so, yeah, like I, 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 you know, is Deschamps going to stay? Is as the coach of France is, you know, is it, is Zidane potentially going to come in? Like, I know what I would prefer, but I don't know what the French Federation is going to do. Well, we don't really care about them, Grant, to be honest. So let's move on <laughs> to the quarterfinals. So the first game, Friday, Switzerland against Spain. We've talked about them and they, they obviously they were the two teams that, that just lit up uh, Monday for everyone. And it was just sensational. So now they go head to head on Friday. Um, how do we see that game go? I, I just wonder if Switzerland hasn't played its cup final already. You know, that that they might have had just one massive result in them. But Spain, again, so inconsistent, they could easily go 2-0 down at halftime and then and then all hell breaks loose. It's uh um, but it's a really that half of the draw is really interesting. And I just have the the world rankings written down here for the two halves. So you know You've got on one side 
Belgium ranked one, Italy seven, Switzerland 13, Spain six. That's the top half of the draw. The bottom half, you've got Ukraine ranked 24, Czech Republic ranked 40, and Denmark ranked 10th, then England ranked fourth. Um, <laughs> but the Switzerland-Spain game, um, I, I think could go either way, but you know, not to get too far out of my, over my skis over here, I think whichever one wins that game goes down in the semis. But that's, we know what our predictions are worth in this game. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we were the ones that, that said Turkey were going to be the dark horses and they were going to do well. So, yeah, I, I think I think it could well be, you're right, Josh, that, that Switzerland, you know, emotionally more than anything, they might just be spent and, and Spain's quality. I mean, that Spain probably just want to keep the ball, keep the ball, keep the ball and, and let Switzerland chase quite a bit. And uh, But I don't, I don't think either team's going to give up. Uh, they showed that on Monday. But, yeah, the the... In that half of the draw, the big, big game is Belgium and Italy, which we haven't really spoken about either of these countries yet, but they're, they're arguably the two best teams left in this competition. For me, I mean, like, I think this is Belgium's tournament. If they're going to win one, this is the one. But, you know, they've got some injury issues. And, and we'll see. I don't know if they've announced yet um, if Kevin De Bruyne – might be available if Eden Hazard might be available. Clearly, injury concerns after the last game, uh, and that could have a, a pretty big impact. Um, but yeah, well, that uh, that it, that ankle injury, I know myself playing. When when you roll your ankle like that, then ankle ligaments can take three, four, five weeks to to recover. Um, so you know, I mean, he seemed to be okay at the end of the game, though. I mean, uh, it is possible that he that he could be. Be fit, and then again with uh, Hazard with his hamstring, that that could be something that was just a bit of cramp or just a bit of tightness. Or again, if, if he's if he's got any sort of uh, problem with his hamstring, again you're looking at a month plus. So um, it'd be it'd be a massive shame if either of those were, were unable to play. Yeah, and you know Hazard, we, we haven't seen sort of uh, Eden Hazard, not his brother, who scored a nice goal in the last game. Um, we haven't seen the best of Eden Hazard in a long time. So I, I, I think his, his loss would not be maybe as significant as losing De Bruyne. I, like, I don't know if, if Belgium can win this game if De Bruyne is not out there. Um, and I want to see them at full strength because they're, they're a terrific team. Um, and I, I, I kind of would like to see them win something. Um, and I, this opportunity is there. Um, but like, it's interesting that game against Portugal was pretty awful <laughs> for being honest. And, and so like, I, like so many things have not gone according like to how I expected games to play out in this tournament. You know, I wouldn't have thought that Switzerland would be in a three, three thriller with, with France. And um, this Italy team has been more fun than most Italy teams are. Um at least have been over the years. And, and I've enjoyed sort of the, the attacking verb that, that Italy has had under Mancini and they haven't conceded many goals either. Um, so on paper, this should be a really entertaining game. You know, whether it will be, I guess we'll, we'll see, but um, I, I, you know, I, I do think the winner of this game could, you know, very well likely end up in the final. Grant, you're worried about the wrong Hazard. Uh, you know, <laughs> Aiden is so 2017. We're we're all about Sorgan Hazard now. 
um i thought he was magnificent against uh in the um in the group stage yeah and the that that's true and we, we just hope that belgium have got a full strength team um what are your thoughts on lukaku how he's performed so far in this tournament i wish i picked him for the golden boot like i had harry kane uh and still could uh, happen grant it still could yeah, happen theoretically um i mean lukaku i think Maybe like for anyone who like if if you watch the Italian league, you know how good he was over the past year, and, and he's really built uh, a, a, an impressive career at this point. Um, and and Lukaku has been terrific in this tournament. So I mean, um, I, I I I don't know. I, I I would sort of like to see him get to the final and. Um, and, and win the golden boot. I think he's got a good shot at it, uh, but he's just a terrific center forward and uh, you know, on the level of a Lewandowski uh, at this point. And it, it seems like, you know, because Lukaku, you know, has turned, you know, you know, won the golden boot in the Belgian league, like age 16, he's been around forever, but he's not that old actually. And, and he just keeps producing year after year. Yeah. But I think, I think Italy is going to be very tough because, they seem very, very united. I love the fact that when there's a goal goes in, everyone celebrates the the players, the the substitution, the substitute. Sorry, and the, all the you you see Mancini celebrating. You see Gianluca Vialli come out, and it's just it's just fantastic to see how united and like you said, attacking they are. They're, they're a long way away from the cautious defensive Italians that we've seen in the past. So you know, I I really. Uh, I'm on their side. I quite like the Italians to to go on and do well. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're just so organized. And, you know, for maybe, a, as Grant was saying, a slight lack of talent in the squad, they are, I mean, they, they do play a kind of very enjoyable football to watch. Yeah, so who do you think then? So we're not, we, we're thinking Spain are going are gonna to be on top of Switzerland. So who do you say then? Belgium or Italy, Grant? Who are you going to pick? I mean... I'll, I'll attach a condition to this. If De Bruyne <laughs> plays, I think Belgium will win. Um, and yet it's, you know, like I, I, my, my predictions in this tournament have been pretty poor, if I'm being honest. So <laughs> no, my England prediction, I, 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 I will hang my hat on. I, I have England to win. Uh, and I had France not get into the quarterfinals. So I, I, I at least had that going for me. But um, I'd originally had England beating France uh in in the round of 16 so um it's 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 a hard tournament to predict because stuff happens that you're just not expecting and especially in these elimination games but um the other challenge out of those four teams grant switzerland spain (laughs) belgium italy july the 11th wembley stadium which one is going to be there um i'm going to say belgium um because I think if everyone, if the teams play to their best, Belgium is the best team. And what do you say, Josh? Uh, I actually, I'm going to side with Italy in the, uh, in the quarter. Um, and I, I think it's an Italy England final, but uh, I think, I mean, you know, a lot of things could happen on, uh, on uh, in that England half of the draw as well. I mean, Denmark is a team that's playing on pure emotion. Um, yeah. you know, ever since, ever since the Christian Eriksen incident, their first game, 
you know, that, that seems to have given them a belief and, and caused that squad to gel in a, in a really significant way. And they've looked good and they've been fun. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's obviously something that we all witnessed really early on in the tournament, the Christian Eriksen situation. And it's great to see that, that he's, he's fine now. But you're right, Denmark has seemed to be going forward on this wave of emotion. But will that continue? You know, can you see that the Czechs are so canny and the Czechs are, are very well organised and they're tough? You know, do you think that the Denmark story is going to continue or a Czech Republic going to get through to the semi-final? I mean, I think Denmark will win this game. I sort of underestimated the Czechs the entire tournament, though, and 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 they've been really good. Um, so so we'll see. But um, you know, like um, it's 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 a situation where Denmark is, I think, just better than the sum of their parts. I mean, like they, they're one of these teams that um, just is, is a team. And I, I think their coach, Casper Hellman, uh, is, is having a, a terrific tournament. We've seen earlier this year, they're getting really good results in World Cup qualifying. Um, and, you know, the game, they ended up losing their first two games of this tournament, but like you couldn't fault them for losing to Finland on such a, just a traumatic day with the Ericsson situation. And they actually played pretty well, I thought, against Belgium. In, in the game that they lost. So, um, you know, I, I think Denmark's going to find a way here. And, and, you know, it's obviously a great story. So I, I kind of want them to, to keep winning. And then the other game on Saturday is Ukraine playing... Um, hold on. Who? Oh, England. England. Ukraine are playing England, um, uh, but in Rome. So do we think that Ukraine could cause an upset or is that, is this as far as they'll go? That was their final, you know, that, that game yesterday against Sweden. Well, they, and they, they had to go 120 minutes as well. So they've got, you know, they, they've got that in their legs. And I mean, it, it was pretty fun seeing Shevchenko's reactions on the, on the bench. He was extremely emotional and you felt like he was living every kick of the ball out there. Um, and, and this is, you know, further than he ever went in a tournament as a player. Um, but I think, I think England, uh, tactically have been very, very savvy so far. We saw Gareth Southgate go to a three, four, three yesterday away from the four, two, three, one he's been playing. Uh, he's named four different lineups in four games this tournament. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a fifth different lineup that is really suited to to tackling the problems that that Ukraine can pose them um so i but again it's tournament football you're only ever one uh, one crazy set piece away from uh from having your back against the wall and and chasing in the 85th minute so how how do you think southgate and england should approach the ukraine game because some people over here you know they would just want us to go and attack and attack and attack or will he keep to his more cautious approach and just wait for the game to unfold? I mean, I, I expect he'll kind of have a similar approach to what he's had the rest of the tournament. I get frustrated, to be honest, occasionally by Southgate. It's a little bit like like the France situation where I'm like, look at the players you've got. But um, then again, they've, they, you know, they've won the group. They've advanced here against Germany. And, and so... There's plenty of evidence that 
that Southgate's approach has has been working so far. Like I, I I do wonder about this quarterfinal from England's perspective a little bit in the sense this is the one game they're not going to be at Wembley, uh, and and you know is that going to be a, a a jolt to their sort of rhythm that they've developed throughout this tournament. I don't know. Um, and uh, it's funny because like after you beat Germany, if you're England, like nobody thinks that Ukraine's going to beat England right now, unless you're living in Ukraine maybe. And like, I, I, I just wonder psychologically what that might be like if, you know, you know, what does Southgate try and do to prevent a letdown uh, after sort of the euphoria of beating Germany. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility, isn't it, that there could be a level of complacency where beating Germany was so big and so significant that the quarterfinal, we think, well, we'll just have to turn up and we'll beat the Ukraine. So that could be a big danger. Um, but also, I, I, do, I do think Southgate's approach of being cautious is the right one. I, I, I think that the need to go in very again, very solid, not defensive, but just being very compact and not taking risks because as Josh was saying earlier, Ukraine have had um, extra time in their legs and they've had all that emotion as well. And I think if England can just keep it solid and look to win in the second half, because I think Ukraine will tire and, and the quality that England have got in an attacking sense and the pace that they've got, you know, I think in the second half will come through. So, I know there's a lot of talk already um, in the media over here that England have got to attack from the from the start and get the game won early. Was actually that gives the Ukraine more chance because if England are a bit open at the start, Ukraine will nick a goal and then they've got something to defend. Whereas I would much rather England stay cautious, stay solid, and then just look as the the game goes on and the Ukrainians get tired, then we can uh, look to beat them. Yeah, but the one thing I found very encouraging in the post match yesterday was Southgate saying that in the dressing room, after beating Germany, they were already talking about Saturday, about getting back into the mental space to go on the road, get the result they need, and come home to Wembley. Yeah, well, let's... let's so, so, basically, we're, we're going for Denmark over the Czech Republic. Do you agree with that, Josh? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm not so sure, actually. I, I think the Czechs might do that. I think they're... They're a very canny operation, but uh, definitely, even though I, th- I think the complacency is a problem, I think England are going to win. Um, and then England will, will win the semi-final for sure. <laughs> I mean, we were we were joking yesterday as we were watching, my friends and I here in New York, we were watching the, the Sweden-Ukraine game of like, which which team we were asking would be funnier to beat England in the, in the quarterfinal. And... Um, it's, I don't think, I, I, I think this is really setting up well for England, if I'm being honest, uh, just to leave the jokes aside, because like, um, you know, the, their side of the draw on paper should be easier. Uh, and I, I think England should be disappointed if they don't get to the final. Now, who, you know, who they might face in the final could be a really good team. But at this point, uh, even before this tournament started, I felt I, I looked at the way things could shape up, and I felt like the round of 16 was going to be the make or break game for England. They got past it, uh, and now this is looking to be um, a real positive uh, path for them. But 
How wonderful would it be on July the 11th, Wembley Stadium? Even more fans will be allowed in, I think, at that particular point. If England are in the final, it would be incredible. It was likely to be Belgium or Italy, who, you know, have two very, very good teams. But, you know, we can't discount the other teams. That would be disrespectful. But if, if it was England versus Belgium or Italy in the final, that would be amazing. It would. It would. And it's... I mean, you know, a final at Wembley is, I think, more than a lot of England fans could ever imagine. You know, if you've been watching England for the last, uh, oh, I don't know, say 55 years or 45 years. My lifetime, Josh. It's my yeah. lifetime. I was born in 67. Um... <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I think after Euro 96 and after the the various heartbreaks of you know, losing to Argentina on penalties in 98, the frustrations of 2000, David Seaman in 2002. Uh, 1990, oh, Italia, penalties yeah. in the semi-final against Portugal the Germans. In 06, not qualifying in 08. I mean, Blomfontein in 2010, there's been so The much Germans in 1970, Josh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think in England playing a major tournament final at home um, would really be a once-in-a-lifetime thing to behold. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for for your your time pre previewing what's going to happen and reviewing what we've seen. I think it's really been a fantastic tournament so far. Certainly, this round of sixteen has just ignited it, and and in this country, you know, we're getting so excited. Um, hopefully, we can continue, and uh, it would be wonderful to see England in the final. But thanks for your your expertise and your insight, guys, and. Uh, now let's just let's just see what happens and enjoy the next couple of weeks or so and let's see if England can bring it home. Come on, football's coming home. <laughs> a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, Josh. And uh, well, hopefully we will uh, speak to everyone again on the Go Play Soccer podcast in the future. See you now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And if you have a question or comment for us, or if you'd like to take part in one of our podcasts, please email podcast at goplaysoccer.com.